the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. For we can all call ourselves true Christians, but if we don't have a desire to rescue the lost, how are we really true Christians? Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Time for breakfast, part two. That is the title of our message in John chapter 21. Let's jump in. I think the world could relate to the disciples right here. For we have all been fishing for a long time, haven't we? Some of you ladies are like, no, I haven't been fishing lately. Oh, no, you have. Oh, we've all been fishing. We've been fishing for that thing that will satisfy us. We've been fishing for some real purpose in our life. We've been fishing for something more than what we have. Some have been fishing for so long, they don't even know what you're fishing for anymore. I'm fishing. I'm, I'm looking for something that will satisfy. What are you looking for? I don't even know. I don't know because everything I try to put inside of this empty heart, nothing fills it. So you're fishing, but honestly, you don't even know what you're fishing for anymore. Maybe that would describe someone here today. Maybe you have yet to catch that which fulfills and your nets are still empty. May I suggest, is it possible that you have been fishing in the wrong spot? Maybe you, like the disciples, have set out in your own strength, seeking what you think will satisfy you, yet you're still coming up empty-handed. Even though you have set and met many goals in your life, it still never seems to be enough. Let me ask you, how much longer will you toil in the same place? How much longer will you try to make it on your own? Let's not miss the biblical lesson here today. Once Jesus became part of their fishing trip, their nets were overflowing with fish. And that's when John yelled out the obvious. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. But let us not miss the other very important point here. It wasn't until they obeyed his words that the nets became overflowing. And the same goes for you and me today. When we become doers of God's word and not simply hearers of God's word, that's when the miraculous will happen in and through our lives. That's when purpose and satisfaction will become our reality. It's because we waited on him. As we become who God has called us to be, I wonder if Peter's heart now didn't just jump for joy, realizing that Jesus was once again with him. He couldn't wait to get to the beach any quicker. 
he bails into the water immediately and swims to Jesus, which brings up our final point. When love is defined. See, I think we all need a redefinition of love because we use that word pretty quickly and loosely, don't we? I love pizza. Amen, right? I love breakfast, man. We were talking about it. I was on the, on the website yesterday looking at the, the bacon-wrapped burrito. It had no tortilla. It was all bacon. I'm just like, oh, man, this is, this is glorious right here, man. Look at this thing, you know. And it's just like, so we love things. You know? We love all kinds of stuff. Some people love reptiles. They love lizards. They won't go up and buy lizards. <laughs> it's like, and all of these things. And so people use that word loosely, but maybe we need a redefinition of that word here today. Yes, first the disciples, well, as you know, they lost their vision. They went out fishing again. But second, their hope had returned because Jesus was making them breakfast on the beach. And now they're sitting down around a fire with Jesus. And notice the last time that Peter was recorded standing around a fire, it was the enemy's fire, if you remember, as Peter warmed himself and then he denied that he even knew Jesus at all. It was at the Last Supper, as you remember, Peter told Jesus that though all of the other disciples, these inferior guys that you have following you alongside me here, though all of them, Jesus, fall away, I'm giving you a heads up here, Lord. I, Peter the rock, I will never deny you. Yet it was only just a few hours later, as you know, after Jesus had been arrested, falsely accused, that Peter's confidence turned into, well, total collapse as he denied that he knew the Lord three times. But now Peter stands next to another fire, and this time he's enjoying fellowship with Jesus. Let's read what Jesus talked to Peter about, starting in John 21, picking up in verse 15. It says, so when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John. Notice he calls him Simon here. If you remember, it was Jesus that changed his name from Simon to Peter. Peter means rock, like a chip off the old block. So he was a small stone, but nonetheless, he was a rock. Jesus isn't calling him the rock right now. He's going back to his former name, Simon. Simon, son of John, I got a question for you. Do you love me more than these? Because that's what his whole claim was. Though all of these other riffraff... You know, turn their back on you. I, Peter the rock, will not turn on you. So now Jesus is calling them on it. So, do you love me more than these? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then he said to him, tend my lambs. Verse 16. He said to him again a second time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that that I love you. And he said to him, shepherd my sheep. Verse 17. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him, the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. 
Wow. Interesting conversation. Yes, they sat down for breakfast with Jesus and there was instant fellowship. You know, fellowship is a nice way of saying, let's hang out together. I think people have the wrong picture of Jesus. You know, I think, you know, religions have made Jesus this faraway character where Jesus was really someone on the beach ready to have breakfast with you. Let's do a breakfast burrito on the beach. Okay, sounds good. It's fellowship. It's like hang out together. Remember when Jesus says, I stand at the door of your heart? He's not talking about some door. He's talking about your soul, your heart, the very inner being. He says, let me come in. I want to come in and I want to sup with you. I want to hang out with you. He says, we will dine together. It's fellowship. As Christians, our fellowship should be wrapped around and include the fact that we serve the same God. See, that's what puts us all in common. You know, when you look around here, you know, there's, there's people from every continent. There's people that their ancestors are from every continent on the world here today. It's like they're different colors, different religions. It doesn't matter. We're all one in Christ. We have this common goal. So, man, we, man we're, we're one in Christ. It's like wherever I've traveled around the world, it's like I run into someone who's a believer. It's instant fellowship. I mean, we have something in common. It's bigger than just what your own family is, your own DNA. It's like it's something so much bigger than that. We're going to spend eternity with each other. So if I irritate you and I get on your nerves, get used to it. We're there forever together. Amen. Listen to what the Bible says about fellowship in 1 John 1, 7. He says, but if we walk in the spirit as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I mean, we have fellowship. It's deeper than the DNA fellowship of your own family. Because you could have family members that you're stuck with, and they're stuck with you, but they might not be believers. And so the most intimate thing of your life, you can't share those intimacies because they don't get it. But yet you can meet someone at church, and, 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 and within just hanging out a little bit, man, you have a more closeness with people than you have with your own family members. See, the word fellowship comes from a Greek word, koinonia. Koinonia is sharing something together. And as Christians, man, when we receive Jesus into our lives, man, we become part of that inner circle. We are the children of the Most High God. We're part of this huge family now. It's God's family. So I can run into someone in New Zealand or Australia or England, and I can just start talking. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, you're a believer? Boom, bam, there it is. And man, we're just talking, man, because we're going to spend eternity together. And we now are brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we come to church, we should be part of the fellowship, the koinonia that happens here. So don't, you know, just race in and out of church. Some people heard in and heard out. You know, it's like that time when we say, you know, before the announcements, stand up and say hi to someone. It's like you're usually saying hi to the same people, aren't we? Because you like your seats. You sit in the same place every week. I, I see you. You know, it's like Manuel and Sylvia got displaced last week, but they're back where they normally are. See, you know, it, it's like, you know, Joseph and Maria. I mean, right here. I mean, it's just like, I mean, you kind of have your own seat. That means when you're turning around, usually you're saying hi to the same person. Why don't you get to know them a little better? I, it's so funny. My wife 
and myself did the same thing at Harvest. And when we first started going there, this one gal behind us, you know, my, when we turned around, my wife says, my name's Lori. And she goes, hi, Gloria. Uh, it's Lori. She says, oh, hi, Gloria. Uh, Lori. And she goes, oh, Gloria, so nice to meet you. And so for the next five years, she was Gloria. Yeah. My wife just gave up. You know, like, you know the gal would be two rollers. Hi, Gloria. You know, cross campus. I go, hi, how's it going? You know, it's like, uh, but, but it's like, Think about the fellowship that we can have. This is why we have home groups. Uh, they're on the wall behind the, women, uh, the baby's uh, room here uh, on this back wall here. And there's home fellowships that we do here. And, and it takes the quantity of fellowship to the next level. Because as you get involved with a home group, we have multiple home groups here in the L.A. area. You get involved with these home groups, you're able to share so much more. Like you can say, hey, I've been witnessing to this guy at work or this gal at work. And can you pray for me? And then now people are asking you. And now you come here on Sunday. It's like, hey, we've been praying for George or for this girl or that girl or, you know, whatever. And how's that going? Well, you know, uh, I did get to talk to him. Uh, I'm gonna, I think we're going to ask him at the lunch so we can have some more private time. Okay, well, we're going to pray for that. See, you're able to share prayer requests. You're able to share praise reports. You're able to have this, this family around you. I remember when we, uh, my wife was, and, and myself were having difficulties and we were in a hospital and, and uh, my whole home group that I was teaching at that time all came from Riverside up to Upland, uh, San Antonio Hospital, and they were all in the waiting room for us. And they were praying for us. It's like, wow, it's like having a connection. You know, it's amazing how you can be in a city so large with so many people and not have connection. Like, oh, you must have tons of friends. No, actually, I don't have any friends. How is that possible? If you're part of Core Church, you should have multiple friends. You should just start expanding and talking with people a little bit more. Hey, I see you here all the time. How long have you been coming here? Oh, I've been coming here for six months. Oh, I've been coming here for three years. You know, it's like, well, you know, start sharing. Think about attending one of our home groups that you can get part of what is going on at a little bit deeper level. And know this, we all have something to share with one another. Don't think that you don't have something to share with someone else. Even if you're a new believer, you still have something to share. I like how the apostle Paul put it in Romans 111, because he was talking about going to the church in Rome, but he hadn't got there yet. So he was writing them letters. That's where we have the letter of Romans. And so he's writing them a letter and he says this. He goes, I long to see you in Romans 111 in order that I may impart a spiritual gift to you. Well, you would expect that, right? You're the apostle Paul. Of course, we're looking forward to you coming and sharing a spiritual gift with us. But he goes, that is that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So the Apostle Paul's like, look, I'm looking forward to coming with you and sharing an apostolic message with you. Amen. Bring it, Apostle Paul. But I'm also looking to come to be encouraged by you and to hear what's going on in your faith and that we would encourage one another. Yes, when we come to church, we are here to encourage one another in our own faith. And that's exactly what Jesus does here with Peter. He encourages his faith. But first, he addresses Peter's pride. Again, it was only two weeks earlier that Peter had denied his Lord. And now Jesus asks three times, Hey, Peter, do you love me more than all the other disciples? How fitting is this that the Lord would ask three times? For Jesus had warned Peter three times in Luke 22 at the Last Supper. 
he warned them about three things. Number one, he says about being the greatest because they were all in an argument. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Could you imagine Jesus sitting there at the table? He's kicking back and he's watching the disciples arguing about who's going to be greatest when he knows in a few hours they're going to capture him, take him, uh, uh, try him and crucify him in a matter of hours. I mean, you know, and here he is listening to these guys, who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So he warned them about that. Number two, he warned them because Satan had came and he pulled Peter aside at the last supper and said, uh, Peter, Satan has come to me personally asking for you. And he wants to sift you like wheat. Now, if the Lord shared that with me, it's like, Pastor Steve, I'll just call you Steve because I'm, you know, I'm your father. Okay, that's okay. I don't need the pastor part. He's like, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. I'd be like, well, Lord, did you tell him he couldn't? <laughs> did you say no? Did you say he's mine? No, don't sift him like wheat. You know, no, 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 no. Get back. <laughs> it's like, but uh, so he's, he's, he told Peter that. I don't know how, what Peter's response was to that. And number three, he told Peter that you're acting all in pride right now. You're saying, though all of these deny you, you will never deny me. You know, Peter, that before the rooster crows in the morning, you will have already denied me three times. Well, as we know, Peter went on to deny that he ever knew the Lord or was associated with him three times, just like the Lord said. So now, I guess, in a sense, you know, Satan did sift him like wheat. So now Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Again, three times. And three times Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. It all sounded so nice. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. It sounds so nice. That is until you take a deeper Look, because the word that Jesus uses for love in the original text is the Greek word agape. And this is the love that God has for us. It's an unconditional love. Now, interestingly, the word agape is also the root of where we get our English word agonize. Think about that. When you love someone unconditionally, Many times it is an agonizing love. It's an agonizing love. It means to have that unconditional love will require us at times to agonize in that love. Why is that? Because people will disappoint us. People will let us down. Children will fail their parents and a parent will agonize over that child. They will agonize. It's like, oh, they're walking away from the Lord. Oh, they're doing this. Oh, they got into drugs. Oh, they got thrown into prison. Oh, they got, you know, and it's just, you, you agonize over your children. You love them unconditionally, but it's an agonizing love inside. Parents will fail their children. They won't be there for you. They'll get divorced. they're all separated and they're off marrying someone else going on with their life and and they've left you and it's an agonizing love. They call you on the phone. You just look at it like, what do you want? And then of course there's husbands and wives. Boy, there's a lot of agonizing going on there because their husband and wife will, they will let each other down. They will say cruel things to each other. 
And it's just like, yeah, husbands will just be like, oh, just, you know, gosh, he just drives me crazy. It's like, you know, oh, you know, I just remember when she was walking down that aisle in that beautiful dress. All I thought was just don't ever change. Be that. And she changed. And then the wife's walking down the aisle and she's looking at her husband. Oh, he's so great. Once I change him into who I want him to be, he'll be perfect. And he didn't change. Oh, and it's agonizing. And you ladies will look at him and just like, oh. And God says, I want you to love them unconditionally. And it's with much agonizing to keep that marriage together. So when you look at someone that's been married, like me and my wife for almost 41 years, it's like, you might say, I want that. I want that. Napoleon Dynamite. (laughs) I want that. Anyway, but it's like, you might say, I want that. But are you willing to agonize for that? Because that's, is how you get it. It's with much agonizing. So yes, it's an agonizing love. And it requires us at times to just it be painful in our lives. Yes, we all end up failing others, either purposely or accidentally. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that, but you still let them down. Plus we have all failed the Lord. Has the Lord not had some agonizing love towards you and me? Has he not just, oh, you know, just like, oh, there you go again. Ah, oh, his anger is but for a moment, but his joy is for a lifetime. Oh, he agonizes with us. We walk away. We don't listen to him. We go fall into sin again. All of these things, but he agonizes with that love for us. Yes, we all sin and do things that are wrong, yet Jesus has that agape love for us. Yet it's interesting to note that while the Greek word that Jesus used for love was agape, an agonizing love, Peter responded with an entirely different Greek word for love. So Jesus is asking them, do you love me? Will you agonize with me? And Peter answers with the Greek word phileo. Phileo is a friendship love, meaning, yeah, let's be friends. So really the conversation went like this. We don't see that in our Bibles because they're just using one word for love. But here's how the conversation really went. The first two times Jesus said, hey, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? Will you really agonize in your life and your faith with me? Do you love me more than these other disciples? Peter could only respond with, Lord, I love you like a friend. Yet on the third time around, Jesus said, okay, Peter, do you love me like a friend? So the third time Jesus asked him, he used the word phileo. This way, it was like Peter's willing to say now, hey, I'm just Peter. I'm not the Peter, hear me roar. I'm not the mega Christian. Lord, I'm just a guy. And I realized I was completely out of line with knocking all my brothers here 
in saying, though these would deny you, I will never deny you. Yes, Peter, this was him humbling himself before the Lord. And look at the call that Jesus gives to Peter. Feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. Reach out to them. And who did God use on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down? He used Peter and 3,000 people were saved. Yes, Peter humbled himself. The fruit of loving our Lord is followed by the call to feed and tend his sheep. And that's what he calls each and every one of us to do. To feed and tend his sheep. To look out for one another. Not to kick our brothers and sisters while they're down, but to help them get back up. Know this, if we love Jesus, then we will serve him by leading other lost and sinful people to a place where they can find rest, just like we have found rest. For we can all call ourselves true Christians, but if we don't have a desire to rescue the lost, how are we really true Christians? That's all the time we have for today's message. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word, that's Core Church LA, to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.